Hello and welcome to Runway Girl Network in Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton and today I'm in conversation with travel journalist Cynthia Drescher. This episode we're talking about Airbus's decision to end production of the A380 and sinking our teeth into the hot topic of in-flight meals. But first, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. As you draw the latch for your tray table, consider the texture and form of the tray shaped specifically for your in-flight service convenience. That's Bolteron. Learn more at B-O-L-T-A-R-O-N.com. Now, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. It's a delight to be chatting with you, and indeed in such a newsworthy... Such a newsworthy month. I mean, the A380, outlasted by the 747, of all things. Can you believe it? Well, I think the the news of the A380's production being discontinued, is, it hit really large, and then only a few days later we had this debut of the, the BOAC livery for the 747 from British Airways, so it's mm-hmm. been like super jumbo week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I for one, am more of the uh, era where it was... British Airways was British Airways, right? So after it became Boeing, that, that gorgeous red-focused Negus livery and then that blue, classic blue Landor. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about those. Um, but the A380 is, you know, it's, it's, it's coming to an end. Um, Emirates decided not to take um, what was really the only outstanding order, um, you know, at this point, which we're, you know, looking at in the second decade of production. It's no longer as efficient as some of the newer aircraft doesn't have the carbon fibre levels, not quite as light, not quite as efficient. And World Aviation didn't really end up evolving in the way that a lot of people thought it would evolve. You know, both Airbus and Boeing uh, bought in at, at, at one point to the need for super jumbos, um, or, or jumbos plus, as the 7478 is. Um, and it looks like we're heading into the era of the big twins. So what do we lose, Cynthia, when we lose the A380? Well, it may not have been great for the bottom line, right? <laughs> the investors <laughs> don't love the A380. Or maybe they did at the beginning because it was all brand new and shiny and they thought it would bring, you know, hordes of new passengers. Right. And, but I mean, what it does win at is the comment cards from passengers. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to win, who doesn't want to fly the double-decker airplane? Like the fully double-decker. I remember boarding my first A380, it was the Singapore Airlines, at JFK and it parks all the way down at the end of the terminal and when it when it rolled up to the gate it was like this mass of everyone realizing that that was the plane that they were going to be traveling on getting rising up out of their seats being drawn to the window getting their phones out for a photo and single level planes look like planes okay right. <laughs> when yes. those roll up you're like okay there's my plane they don't know what kind of plane it is it's just mm-hmm. the plane that's going to take them a point a to point B. But when you have, I mean, the 747 has something of this effect as well, uh, especially because of its, you know, distinctive profile. But when an A380 rolls up, you're just like, wow, what? You want to know more about it or you already have researched, even just as a normal, I mean, av geeks, yes, but as a normal consumer coming to a flight, maybe you're looking at the different flight schedules and you see A380. And that's been out there so much. You're like, yeah, let me try that one. That's that really big one, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really big and really comfortable, of course. Right. You know, Qantas International CEO just this week saying that you know people book to the A380 and away from other aircraft. Ah. Um, and 
maybe that's got something to do with how Qantas outfits other aircraft. You know, Qantas has, still has 747s flying wingtip to wingtip in some cases with, uh, with, with the A380 on some routes and is now putting its 787 on there, which of course has those seats that are over an inch narrower than the A380 seat. Um, do you think that we're going to get the bars and the showers and the lounge spaces and the duty-free shops on twin jets? now certainly not the duty free shop of korean air <laughs> i mean i think they they may have stopped putting them on their newer a380s because it was you know the big splashy thing that speaks to the korean market right that's right. the trending thing is all this duty free shopping but um you just there's not the space just physically unless you were to slice up the cabin and take a twin jet and you know, give it the kind of interior treatment of American Airlines A321 Transcon First Class, mm-hmm. where you do a 1-1 configuration. Right. But, I mean, what a waste in some cases. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Emirates new suite, okay, that's on the 777s. Yeah. It's still, you're still in a single seat. You're still doing, even though it's first class, you're still doing everything in one spot. You're You're reclining to sleep. You're dining in the same spot. You're reading... You know, you're talking, you're having like your companion from another seat over to sit in front of you. You're talking in the same spot. What the A380 allowed was that double width space where you could have multiple zones within one first class suite. So the Etihad first class apartment, obviously the Singapore Airlines suites. You could have the the seat for dining and reading and talking. And then you had this long bed that you can fold down and it becomes a real flat space like not a converted space but a, a, like a, a proper bed that's a bed yeah and like not a, a proper and sleeping not a, surface and not a recliner chair purpose designed yeah. for sleep yeah yeah there's just flat out no room for that on, the, on other planes well see and this is what i find fascinating is that and i'm not sure whether it's a a certification question or something else but with the a380 what airlines like etihad managed to do with their basically turning a wide body into a single aisle upstairs in first class. Because there are so few passengers on those premium upper decks, you can actually, you know, use... Uh, you, you don't need quite as many uh, evacuation options in, mm. in, for, for, for people, right? You can, you can either deactivate some doors, potentially, or you can, you can have a single aisle because you don't need everybody to be going through that single aisle in the event of evacuation. And I think that's possibly what's stopping it happening in... Nobody's because from the shape of it, look, an, an upstairs A three eighty cabin is somewhere between an A three thirty and an A three fifty. It's it's differently shaped, of course, because the different shape of the plane. But the actual footprint, you know, you can fit the same basic business class seats in there. But it's the it is that that premium feel, and it's also just that the the difference in what flying is like on a plane that size. You know, it's not that it sort of escapes turbulence. But it certainly bumps around a lot less. It's so quiet. Um, and and you, you, it's almost, it feels like an, almost like an ocean liner rather than, rather than a plane. Now that has in some cases been its flaw. I mean, I remember when Lufthansa debuted its A380 um, and it had those old sloping blue Recaro seats upstairs, 96 of them, right? And I remember on this flight from, I think it was Frankfurt to Singapore, Late night flight, and so you know, you and, and ninety five of your closest German business people friends got on board, uh, had a beer and a plate of Maltaschen, and proceeded to snore their way to Singapore. And of course, Lufthansa hadn't 
predicted that. They, they, and they hadn't put monuments in, they hadn't put sound baffles in. And so the problem was not that, you know, the, the problem was it was quiet. And too quiet, and you didn't have the white noise, avoiding the snores of 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 your of a hundred of your closest friends. Right. Um, look, I know I'm going to miss it. I I flew, you know, I just did a, came back from a from a long trip down to Japan and Australia, and I flew A three fifty and A three eighty for quite a bit of the of of the way, which was really interesting in terms of comparing and contrasting that passenger experience. And I was on the Asiana A three eighty, and I was just struck by how well that airline, which obviously was a little bit ahead of par in terms of its initial, certainly its initial business class and, and other passenger experiences, right? It's got that steadier solstice seat. It's got, it's got direct aisle access um, compared with something like Air France, for example, which still has those angled flat slopey sleepers um, and is now thinking, actually, you know, people aren't booking to ours. And I, and I wonder why, you know, um, it was really fascinating how well that passenger experience stood up on an A380, um, even with all the extra benefits of an A350, right? The uh, higher cabin humidity, the lower cabin mm-hmm. altitude, the, um, the, the, the newer lighting systems, um, you know, the quieter engines. I was, I was remarkably impressed by the A380, even, you know, even now as, we're, as it's going into its... Twilight? Into its ret- yes, twilight <laughs> retirement. I mean, if we think about the 747... The oldest ones flying right now were still made in the 90s. So, I mean, yeah. A380 is not going away like tomorrow. Right. It'll still be around for a while. You just won't have, you know, brand that brand new airplane smell right. for the customer. Well, you might. That's the thing. I mean, you are seeing a lot of uh, airlines now going to their first cabin refurb. Um, Singapore Airlines, Qantas, uh, Air France is going to be keeping seven, they announced. Um, and I think you're going to see more of these the airlines rationalizing them and saying, okay, well, how many do we actually need? Mm. Um, so th- there'll be some there'll be some new seats. I mean, Qantas is going to put um, you know its 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 new seating products on there. Um, you know, Singapore Airlines obviously has its refurbished A three eighty product. Um, you'll get that smell, and as we know from the from the Delta experience, you can you can refurbish a seven five seven, which are now coming up on what thirty something years old, and people are like, wow, this is a brand new plane, yeah. right? So it's possible, and and you know I think obviously Airbus is going to be wanting a lot of that market for itself, and has has in fairness it's won itself a lot of that market. Um, so we're going to see quite a lot of quite a lot of those coming around. What what do you think airlines need to do to bring some of that A three eighty magic to the rest of their fleet? I mean, if you want to be totally out like flat out the seat width. And shoulder space, shoulder space, elbow space, because that's, I think, the thing that I'm mourning the most about this, like, slow departure of the A380 is that I've flown it, in, you know, on all classes, Etihad first, Lufthansa business, economy on several airlines, and the economy experience is such a breath of fresh air. Once you've gotten used to the current state of seat width, you know, <laughs> in Y. Right. Um, and then you board an A380, whether, you know, it's a, a small section on the upper deck where you have those, like, wall drawers. Oh, the side Not bins. Not really drawers. Side yeah. bins, yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, but you, I mean, that's like a full side table if you have a window seat and you're in economy. You're benefiting from that just as business and first up front are. But even down on the lower level, because of the bend of the fuselage is just such a large gargantuan plane that it bows out just enough where you can like fully you know put a small backpack down next to you and 
lean over if, you know, somebody's really creeping into your space in the middle of the aisle seat. And it's just, I mean, the closest you can get to that now, I'd say, is about the A350, but it's such a minuscule amount of extra shoulder space that that gives you compared to the what the A380 does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, look, the A350 is, is pretty much the best way that you can fly in economy these days when, right. it's, when it's in a 333 configuration, right? And, and, and Airbus has, to its credit, managed to persuade most of its customers, apart from your Air Caribe and probably, you know, the sort of AirAsia X, if they eventually take any, um, to, who've, who've gone ultra narrow. Um, they've managed to persuade their customers to, to keep that, that width level. Um, but, you know, and, and, and good on them. You know, that, that's, that's, that's some smart design from their perspective. Um, but it is not, even with that extra middle seat in the middle section, it's not got that A380 sense of space either. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that sort of, those high ceilings, the big bins, the, just that extra, extra sort of living space. You know? I mean, even just boarding, even if you're down in the, you know, row like, 960 way in the back in economy <laughs> stuck next to some labs when you board you still that was my get... first a380 experience really <laughs> i was i was i was flying from from uh where was it melbourne singapore and i specifically chose that because I, I i figured actually where's there gonna be nobody sitting yeah. if there is nobody sitting there any seats are, the, are gonna be at the back of that plane and that was one of the best economy class flights i ever took but um, was there anyone around you the, the I did have a spare seat next to me. Okay. That, uh, that by helps. design, yeah. right? By design. Yeah. Actually, I have flown down the back of an Emirates A380 as well, mm-hmm. but there was no one around me. Right. It was that Auckland, Sydney hopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, right when it comes down to it, it's just, it's the impressive experience, that wow factor of stepping on board and seeing a staircase. And it's not the same style staircase as a 747, which is just, you know, a one person staircase. These right. are grandiose, you know, kind of palatial suburban mansion style staircases, you know, reduced to airplane scale. <laughs> but still, you're walking, you're like, wow, I am having a premium experience. Right. Or I chose well for this flight. Or, you know, have any of my friends been on a plane with stairs? It, it becomes the plane with stairs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the, there are some interesting things coming out in the passenger experience world um, around helping airlines to, on the footprint of a smaller plane, and we're talking smaller planes, like an A350 or a 777 <laughs> at this point, right? But helping airlines to say, well, actually, okay, we can't put in the... Showers. In, in the, we can't put in the showers. <laughs> we can't put a bar that will take up a significant amount of seating space. But what we could do, and this is something that Collins Aerospace is proposing, is a series of swing-out, sort of, uh, basically a swing-out bar surface uh, between the, the exit doors that you can put up in, in flight. And look, if these flights were going to be going for, for 18, 19, 20 hours for mm. Qantas, perhaps, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you can absolutely spend 20 minutes swinging those out um, and, and, and setting up a space that, that for passengers helps you avoid that exact thing that you're saying of I'm sitting in one space and it's a lovely space but you know it's, it's not just nice to get up and move it's mandatory there's no option you know there's the feeling of having no other options when you're stuck in a, you know like a standard wide body airliner and you're in a Y seat you're yeah. like I can't move like am I going to you know encroach on other people's space is somebody going to steal my pillow and blanket, which has happened to oh, me yeah. on a Qantas A380. I got up to go to the bathroom one hour into the flight, came back, no pillow, no blanket. 
everyone's sitting very quietly with their hands in their laps. <laughs> so that was, you know, 16 <laughs> more hours of nothing. No comfort for me. I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Always put the blanket to the toilet. <laughs> always put a always put your book or something personal on top of that, like someone sitting here and using this stuff. You know, kind of a savior seat thing. Mm-hmm. Just sad to have to do. Right. But there's so many people on the A380s. Maybe that's a downside. Yeah. You know, there's so much more potential for a nefarious intent. <laughs> yes. Well, there was the, there was that um, space of thefts out of Hong Kong, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, the, it was, it was the like Emirates a Chinese ring. Of yeah, it was the Emirates thieves. Hong Kong Bangkok mm. hop, if memory serves. And there was exactly that that problem of you know these are fairly. I mean, the A three eighteen never really suffered from that huge long cabin expanse thing, simply because it had those doors breaking it up and right. had the natural place for 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 monuments like lavatories and galleys. Um, but it was still a big space, and you know if you had those overhead bins filled, they were filled, and you know people were rooting around in there and 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 and. Strangely enough, people were leaving valuables in there, um, which is not a, not the best plan. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a plan I'm certainly going to miss. Um, you know, I'm going to miss the space. I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss seeing them. You know, just watching one of those things take off, as just it 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 really did feel like the eighth wonder of the world, and 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 that was one of those. That's one of those things that, that I'll certainly miss. Assuming, of course, that nobody else builds something this size again. Right. Um, you know, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we may get 10 years down the road and, and there's a change in Chinese aviation policy, for example, which allows uh, airlines to duel up on routes, right? And then we realise, actually, we should, have, we should have kept this thing around. And the A380 becomes, like the 757, like the 717, a, uh, an aircraft that was produced in very relatively low numbers um, and still exists in relatively low numbers, um, but was cut before its time. It will, it will be it'll be interesting to see in, in 10 years' time whether we have this discussion again. Uh, I'll, I'll mark the calendar. Um, and, and, and where we are with the A380, you know, did we, did we miss it as much as we think we will? Your point about it being perhaps the eighth wonder of the world reminds me of when I was on the, sailing on the Queen Mary 2 during a transatlantic, only, you know, a few years ago. I'm not talking about, like, you know, tra- old-school ocean liner travel, although that is the closest you can get to it. And they have a, a gallery of kind of historical shots of other Cunard ships. And there was one large print of Cary Grant, who always used to take the transatlantic crossings. And he had mentioned that he believes the Queen Elizabeth II, or no, the original Queen Mary, it was the Queen Mary. He was like, surely this is the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> and now the, well, the A380 is, you know, yeah. our modern day version. Yep. So it's goodbye to the A380 and hello to in-flight meals. Um, in-flight catering has been a real hot topic this week. Um, it's it's become a little bit fashionable to hate uh, on airline meals. I mean, it's, it's uh, certainly in my lifetime, it's always been fashionable to hate on airline meals. But I've seen a lot of people saying, oh yeah, I pack my own food. I never never eat on a plane. You know, whether that's uh, Anthony Bourdain or, or, or other people um, on, on, online this week. Um, What's your take on that one, Cynthia? Are airline meals indeed as terrible and, and must be avoided at all costs, especially in the economy? Or, or are we being a little, bit, a little bit snooty and snobby about those of us who have the time, inclination and budget to, to buy on the ground rather than having the meal, which in many cases we've paid for already in the air? Yes, that. <laughs> I am firmly pro in-flight meal. Airline food, whatever you know, term you want to give it. 
I, but I do have an advantage of having visited some catering kitchens, right? And being on, seeing the industry side of things to give my knowledge of what, you know, the tray that's placed in front of me a little bit more depth than the average traveler. So what they're faced with are, you know, comedian monologues about airline food on Conan O'Brien or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, the two flights I did this year, I didn't like those meals that much. So all in-flight food is bad. Right. And then you have... Yesterday, <laughs> incidents on Twitter like um, Travel Channel Food Network star Andrew Zimmern coming out and, and saying, just kind of throwing a tweet out into the universe to all of his followers, asking that he has a serious question about airline food. Does anyone care? What's more important to you? Food, cheaper fares, free luggage, or in-flight entertainment? Tell me I could care less about airline food. I typically bring a sandwich on board. How about you? So, obviously, he's had a slew of replies. Mm-hmm. It's a very polarizing topic. Yes, look, it, it, as, as you say, it is one that is, that is much, much beloved for comment from, from comedians to, to, to the average Joe in the street. Right. So, I replied and just said, I eat all the food, basically. I have a huge respect for catering operations, for the magic of, you know, dining at altitude is something that I can't get over, right? The fact that they're able to serve us... Um, even a, a stupid rubbery omelette. Oh, the weaponized croissant. Yeah. <laughs> so I just replied to him saying as much that, you know, maybe not snootily saying, well, maybe if you, you know, actually visited some of these operations, you would have a better appreciation. But just saying that, you know, why don't you go see some things? Obviously, you're Andrew Zimmer and you can pick up the phone and go visit wherever you'd like. So then I said... I also followed up with, I hope this tweet doesn't lead to a Zimmern for X Airlines collaboration. <laughs> doesn't that sound like something that would happen? It absolutely does, yeah. <laughs> so he replied and said, no, I'm just curious. And with about 500 people voting, the vast majority don't care about the food relation, relationally to other amenities. But the top 15% of flyers who generate the vast majority of income for the airlines do care, according to the airline industry. Sure. I mean, that... I'm not sure I've learned anything from his, his thoroughly scientific poll there. All 500 people. Uh, right. Um, I mean... His selective, it, it, self-selecting following bit, follower base. Right. Airlines are not totally dumb, right? If in-flight food was a huge draw, it, more of it would be included at a higher quality, Right, and I saw people in that thread saying, "Yeah, give me twenty dollars off my airfare, right. and I'll and I'll skip the food." I'm like, do you really think that in-flight food costs twenty dollars? Like, I mean, how much is a sandwich on one on one of the U.S. carrots these days? Eight, nine bucks? Eight ninety-five. Right. Okay. Yeah, nine so then, ninety-five if you add, you know, a coke. So they're making profit on that one, right? So even if it's even if it's buying a sandwich, that's. That's, that's not a $20 sandwich. Well, I mean, right? they're always going to make a profit, right? Precisely. They're never going to sell yeah. anything at cost. Exactly. So it's what maybe cost them half that much to make the actual sandwich, right? Um, and then, of course, don't forget you've got the, you, you price each one higher because it's more complicated to make sure that a fresh sandwich is fresh rather than, you know, doing it in, in, in bulk. Um, and there's something also to be said about the North American centricity of this. Um, look, I mean, we're recording this, Cynthia, in one of France's gastronomic regions. Um, I am full of cheese and <laughs> bread and... <laughs> and, and... And look, here's the thing. There's, there are areas of the world where in-flight food does not suck. Um, 
you fly around Southeast Asia, whether you're on Singapore Airlines or Scoot, um, I had some of the best in-flight food in my life on a Scoot flight, again, at the back of the economy class cabin, um, and they were selling, you know, little trays of, of thoroughly delicious braised chicken um, for four bucks, four, four bucks Singaporean. It was fantastic. Um, you know, it, it, and, and it, it was... If they can do that, it's because their market wants it, right? Singaporeans aren't going to be right. eating bad food, right? right? Um, so I guess my question is, why does... It, is it that airline food in North America sucks? Is that the problem? Or is it that the market's different or that palates are different? Um, I keep coming back to this idea that there's, there's this concept in the... Uh, premium class frequent fly community that Lufthansa's menus are always weird right um certainly in premium cabins right so they have ingredients with which people are not familiar mm. and they have preparations with which people are not familiar and they're unafraid of using words that are chefy right so like they'll put a dessert and rather than calling it a pudding they'll call it a flummery right oh. and so people are like what? What is this nonsense? What is... Well, I don't understand what a flummer is. And it's, and it's basically... It's, it's old English for pudding. Right. Right? It's like... Or, 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 or a panna cotta. Right? Like, it's just diff, a different... different same, same idea. You have put some eggs and some milk and some cream and some flavouring together and many things that vaguely wobbles. Um, but I was... Uh, I was talking about this on um, the... Uh, the uh, a frequent flyer group uh, online and asking the question of, okay, for... Those of us who are fortunate enough to fly first and business class, whether we pay for it or whether the airlines have invited us on board to experience their products, um, but who also um, enjoy uh, gastronomic experiences, right? I mean, we've. It is obviously easier to 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 do that in certain places than others. I mean, here we are in in one of France's um, foodie havens, and you can go out and have your menu du jour for twelve euros, right? Um, and have some amazing local food with amazing local wine for, for, for not very much money at all. Um, that's obviously not, not possible. I mean, there are, there are certainly food deserts around, and, and, and I'm not expecting everybody to have the same kind of um, basic level of, of, of foodism. But there's something about an almost... It's almost reflexive distrust of airline catering that I find really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where it comes from. Because it doesn't really come from the jet age. Right? I mean, back in the day when Pan Am is carving Chateaubriands at the... Uh, on Boeing Stratocruisers. <laughs> right, or even the Boeing 707. Yeah. Right, and somewhere, probably around the 747, right, when you had to start saying, actually, we can't any longer wheel trolleys down the aisles in, in coach to, to, to carve, your, carve your dinner, right? It's going to have to be a TV dinner style reheated situation um at that point i think something changed and i and i find it fascinating um especially since a lot of airlines are, are now coming back in the direction and trying to make them more sophisticated and more interesting the the zimmern highly scientific poll was interesting to me in that it you have to understand that it was happening in a controlled environment the people, you know, tweeting their responses are sitting at home or, you know, with their smartphone in hand. They're not sitting on the plane right. after a long day or two days of travel with a rumbling stomach, you know. At that point, you're like, okay, I will trade. You know, when you're, like, super crazy hungry, mm. that's a bodily need that you have. Right. You know, you can deal with, like, one inch less of 
leg room, you're not going to lose your legs, okay? Unless you don't move on, like, a 19-hour flight, right. and then we're talking yeah. about, yeah. you know. Don't, don't do that. This right. Yeah. <laughs> but not eating is something that you just, I mean, it takes all of your attention, right? You can't stop thinking about your hunger. Yeah. And so at that point, you're like, where does that importance rise to? It becomes, like, number one, right? Precisely. Look, you're at the very bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid here, right? And I also keep thinking of the fact that there's, if people didn't care about it that much, there wouldn't be the outrage when it disappears. Right. Right? So I mean, I think, I think every time British Airways takes away something from its long-haul catering, right, or, you know, um, people are presented with, you know, uh, the, the special catering goes wrong, right? So I'm reminded that ANA once presented somebody with a vegan breakfast that was a banana. Right. Oh yeah, there. I mean, because 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 they like something had gone stories like something that. had gone wrong with being loaded, yeah. and that like you know that went viral. Um, you know, British Airways, you know, making their second meal a snack size candy bar. Um, you know that that went you know outrage in the, right. in the, you know if people didn't care enough about it, it people wouldn't be mad about it when it disappears. They just love to be outraged. Yeah, yeah. When Part it comes, is, I mean, yeah. anything airline related, right? right that, yeah. Look, no media organization ever went bust being mean to airlines. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, at SATS, which is Singapore, which is the main catering facility at Singapore Changi Airport, they serve over 60 airlines that come into Changi. They produce around 90,000 airline meals per day. Mm-hmm. Surely not all of those are being dumped right in the trash, right? They're going into people's stomachs. People are eating them. They're wanting them. Um, who doesn't... Who, people who've flown more than a couple times... I'm sure have some story about something that they've eaten or had to drink on a plane. I remember my mom telling me for years, she went to, okay, so she went to Honolulu and with my great grandmother and they took Pan Am and on the way out, it was their first big trip. She, you know, they went to see Don Ho in Hawaii. They had this great time. And still the the story I heard from her the most for obviously decades after was they had some turbulence over the Pacific and they were sitting all the way at the back of the plane and behind them was kind of these trays and there was a large sheet cake that was going to be cut and served for dessert. You know, individual cuts of, of this frosted sheet cake. Well, turbulence meant that oh, no. the sheet cake <laughs> was you know, foisted up and the frosting had it stick to the tray above. <laughs> I, I don't know. She never... Continued on to say how the flight attendants, you know, recovered that. Dislodged the sheet <laughs> yeah. cake from its roof. Right? Yeah. But she was always kind of delighted. That was just kind of one of those stupid little moments in air travel that, you know, becomes a story that you tell for decades. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our, our friend Nick, uh, in flight feed on, on the internets, um, he has this, this uh, sort of spiel that he does, which says, okay, think back to your last airline meal. What was your last airline meal? Iberia, um, Chicago, Madrid, coming over here. It began with prosciutto, balls of mozzarella, and tomato. And I skipped, well, let me see. The main, I just went with the beef because I was quite hungry. So I just wanted to fill up a kind of a beef and potatoes meal. Right. And then I totally skipped dessert because I wanted to go right to sleep. Right. What did you have for breakfast last Tuesday? Last Tuesday? I don't know. This Tuesday, <laughs> since I've been in France, I can tell you because right. it's vacation, right? Exactly. It's an event. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's the thing. People think, well, people still think that flying is an event. Right. E- e- even if they fly frequently, they can tell you pretty much what their last airline meal was. Um, and that, that mentality is, is, is really fascinating to me. That sort of the, the fact that this is very much an event. 
Um, but also, there's, there's, it's, airlines have been much cleverer about how they create and present airline meals. Um, some airlines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Finnair in Helsinki um, towards the end of last year, and they've been continuing their really successful uh, program of economy meals that are reminiscent of old favourite school meals from Finland. Finland, of course, being a social democracy, has a whole history of, um, you know, they feed children at school, right? Children do not brand bag in the same way that they do elsewhere. Um, And those meals were amazing. I mean, it was nothing super gourmet, but it's authentic, it's local, it's bang on brand for Finnair, right? Like it's, it's... and it's that kind of thing that will work super well in the sky, right? I've always... Uh, and um, um, Cathay Pacific is doing something similar with its Hong Kong flavours. I just was reading about it. They've got... Um, and it's between Hong Kong and Australasia, Europe, South Africa, and North America. So it's not yeah. just... You know, the, they used to have a partnership with chefs, and they still somewhat do with Peninsula chefs. And it's on, you know, their highest premium routes, yeah. right? Ex-Hong Kong as right. well, where they can control the catering. But now, that I mean, they're going to be doing... Like, let's see. Oh, there's, there's all kinds of like, wonderful sort of... Uh, and it's not just things you expect, like fried rice, but there was a, right. a curry seafood Braised rice. Braised abalone and flour shiitake and sum-layered bean curd in first class. Right. Roasted duck with life and rice noodles and soup in business. Premium economy is getting steamed halibut with Thai-O preserved mustard greens and jasmine rice. And economy, for example, will have soy-braised chicken with Chinese sauces on jasmine rice. That... Doesn't that sound incredible? I'm already hungry. I will right? eat all of that. Exactly. And, and see, this is the really clever thing, is that airlines are realising that they have national characteristics that distinguish them from, 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 their carry, from other carriers. Um, you know, whether that's um, you know, Qantas, for example. You know, Qantas has an amazing Australian, modern Australian fusion cuisine, right? And, and, and they do a lot of work around how, bringing some of that onto the plane. Um, because their, their, their market won't sustain bad food, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I know that Australia is this weird market where people on domestic flights still get free meals. <laughs> but, but, you know, it is that, it's that, it's being thoughtful about what you're offering while at the same time making sure that you're not wasting money, which airlines, as a general rule, are trying not to do, um, in, in the context of, of giving people an interesting passenger experience and one that they will remember. Um, and that's, th- that's fascinating to me. If only there were an option for, you know, anyone to come and tour a massive catering operation. Mm-hmm. Because the logistics behind putting, you know, a few ounces of, of consomme in front of you um, on a plane or, or like an Air Asia $4 Loxa or something yeah. are staggering. Yeah. Uncle, and, Uncle Whatnot's and right. Nazi Lamac. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love oh, it. that's so good. <laughs> oh. In Air Asia's... I would I mean, buy that like, and put it in my freezer at home. Well, for, for... funnily enough, they opened up a little like um, pop-up restaurant that just serves their in-flight meals because they are so proud of them. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I mean, the logistics behind them that I think give the appreciation that is lacking. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that not everyone has access to that, right? Yeah. But also, you wouldn't ever think that one catering facility turns out 90,000 meals in one day right. at yeah. one airport. Right. I mean, look, it's one of the world's largest and, and, and busiest airports. Right. But still, it is... It, it, it is it's, uh, 
the logistics of, of in-flight catering is astounding. But even if it weren't just a sort of, you know, kind of a mega structures approach to, 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 to providing, I, I, I kind of feel like, look, there's been a, a lot of catering disappearing. So, um, and, and part of what I was concerned about with this, um, the, the Andrew Zimmerman thing, which we keep coming back to, is people like, yes, airline food is terrible on, on short flights. I'm like, okay, you're in North America. Where exactly are you getting airline food on a short flight? Right? Like, and right. people are saying, oh, yeah, I'd give it up domestically, but I still want it internationally. I'm like, well, that's literally what the airlines have given you. Right. <laughs> right? Um, you know, yes, you can go buy yourself a turkey sandwich from the Hudson News kiosk in whatever regional airport you're going from for three hours. Right? But internationally, you're still fed. It may not be to your taste, and that's something that the airlines perhaps could do with, with looking into, right? I mean, there's some real questions about whether chicken or beef, chicken or beef, chicken or beef. Mm. Like, is, what can we do to make that more acceptable to modern palates? Um, our friend Jason Rabinowitz uh, flew uh, from New York to South Africa and back on British Airways. And one of his things was like he was an economy and basically it was the same kind of chicken curry and rice dish every way around and that's smart for the uk right like british people love curry lots of people love curry it's comfort it's comfort food it's easy it reheats very well mm-hmm. um but you've got to you've got to shake it up and you've got to realize actually hang on how can we how can we make this more than you know a a, a the same thing even if there's you know subtle differences in flavor um well, then, I mean, Zimmerman's fans would have come back at Jason and said, well, why did you bring your own food? Right. Why did you not bring your bag of Brussels sprouts? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you I, knew you were going to be taking not even kidding. huge long-haul yeah. flights. Yeah. Why didn't you pack a snack? Right. Why didn't you pack, get some biltong? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, bags of Brussels sprouts. Let's, let's, um, let's not do that. The elephant in the room here is please, gas. Can, please, please can that I not know, be a thing? <laughs> <laughs> also, who has the room in their carry-on? You know, when you're going on a major trip, I, I typically only do carry-on only. And I've packed extremely smartly. I do have some space, usually in my backpack, but I'm not putting a bag of Brussels sprouts in it. Or like... A weeping sandwich, you know, that was in the fridge and is now soggy. Right. Or, or even, I mean, if you're not going for something that is shelf-stable, in which case that's probably what the airlines are going to be giving you. Like, you can easily find a, a cereal bar on many airlines' breakfast offerings. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to, to, to make that work. I mean, I'll, I've got a couple, I'm, I always travel with an emergency couple of packs of peanuts, you know, just in case I get stuck somewhere and it's like, you know, it's the middle of the night and the options are a $20 hotel club sandwich. Yeah. Or just, oh, well, I'll, I'll tide myself over until morning. I've right? got some smashed cereal bars in the bottom of that right. backpack. Oh, is, is it when they turn into granola? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's there's, there's something very, very odd about the, the desire to, to avoid experiencing that part of travel. And look, I totally understand it if you are somebody who has food allergies or sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our runway girl colleague, Becca, uh, and her, uh, her child have allergy requirements that they need to take account of. And that's absolutely fine because, you know, airlines don't, uh, well, airlines can't in many ways um, uh, serve those needs. But just because you don't like the t- taste, you, you're going to, figure out how to do the logistics of it that takes time and that takes money and that's something that you know not everyone can can or wants to sink uh, time and money into um you know if you're a if you've got a a, a, a family traveling 
um, you know, they may have other priorities than 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 making their bag of Brussels sprouts to snack on on the plane. I mean, right? you touched on it earlier. There is privilege behind um, being able to, you know, skip the meal on board and bring your own thing. Mm-hmm. And I there there's an instance that forever sticks in my mind. I was meeting a friend's parents, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> And the father had just arrived off of a flight. And so I was like, you know, it's the small talk that you have when you're meeting someone. Oh, nice to meet you. How was your flight? You know, what did he had just come in after dinner time? So I asked, oh, what did you eat on board? And he just, he was like, oh, never eat airplane food. And that was my first impression of him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Kind of a snot. <laughs> in my right. head, I'm like, oh man, I am hungry right now. I would eat all that airplane food. You did not. <laughs> right. Well, and also... It's kind of, there's, there's, there's kind of a, a, there's a parallel to in-flight connectivity here, right? People are like, oh, mm. my, my in-flight Wi-Fi is too slow. While I'm hurtling through the sky at the speed of sound, crossing the world in a day, my Wi-Fi is too slow, my tiara is pinching, and my diamond shoes are too tight, right? right? I mean, there, there is something to be said that actually, it's important for us all, as, 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 as flying becomes commoditized and in some cases mundane, to just sort of sit back and think, how amazing is this that, that that I have the opportunity to travel around the world or or even around my own country or around my own region, um, and you know, and and this whole infrastructure is there to to keep me fed and watered and comfortable and safe, and and that I don't I I hope I, I hope I live, never lose that magic. Exactly. Well, that's on that on that philosophical <laughs> note, that is it for today's conversation. Uh, we certainly hope you enjoyed it, and we are always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Thank you to our guest, Cynthia Drescher. Where can folks find you online, Cynthia? I am on Twitter at JetSetCD, and I... I'm kind of on Instagram, also at the same, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Off and on with the private switch there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, as ever, you can find me on Twitter at that John and everything from RGN on Twitter at Runway Girl and of course at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. <laughs>